Do you guys know what the word Hosanna means? It's a Hebrew word for save, I pray. And that's our heart. That's our heart's prayer as a church. Individually, save me, I pray, Lord. But as a church, save us, I pray. And as we go outside, it's a prayer to save us from our sins, our entanglements, our hurts, our pain. I love that song because it talks about vision. And vision is mission critical. If you don't have a vision, you don't have a mission. You can try to have a mission. Many places, many businesses, many churches, many people try to live their life with a mission, but without a vision of where you're going, the mission will not take off. The mission will go in circles. So today, I want to take you into the heavenly optometrist, the last book of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Revelation 22? Yes, we're jumping into Revelation. And when, when I say the word revelation in church, a lot of times we get a little queasy in our stomachs. Because some, sometimes revelation is given this notion of signs and seasons and terrors and darkness. Oh, that's included in it. But do you realize revelation is a comfort to the church? See, revelation was written to an old man named John. John was considered the beloved apostle side by side with Jesus. He was with him, seeing his king, seeing his friend, seeing his Lord at the cross whipped and beaten. He was one of the first to see the empty tomb. And he was part of the day of Pentecost, seeing the Holy Spirit come and spread the church. See, John is now an old man, and he's exiled onto the island of Patmos, alone. And his vision is, if I was alone, my vision would be a little foggy at that point. Jesus, you said you were setting up an eternal kingdom with lots of people. Now, he, now I know Jesus said few will enter, but Jesus... 3,000 got saved in one day. Why am I here alone on this island? I need some help. I need some vision. I need to know that I haven't wasted my life. And Jesus comes to him in a vision. He sends an angel on a mission to give him a heavenly vision. And we see in Revelation this story, vision after vision. Then he showed me, then I heard. Show and tell. So just like when we go to get a vision check, is it better one or two, three or four? I mean, they keep going on and on and on, like 25,000 to 25. I can't keep track of this. Just give me number two. I can see the fourth line, maybe not the 10. I hope that you will step in to this passage and ask yourself, do I have a heavenly vision? See, maybe you need new eyes. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you need new eyes, and that's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. To see 
the king of glory coming on the clouds of fire to see a generation rising up to take our place. Maybe you need that vision. But you know what? Maybe you have given your life to Christ. Maybe you, you have trusted in Him. And for whatever reason, whatever story you're going through, your glasses are getting fogged up. Your glasses are getting some dirt on them. Or with me, when I drink a huge glass of milk too excitedly, milk gets on my glasses. And I forget to clean it. And I don't normally remember to clean it until I'm in my car. And then I decide I need a vision check, so I take my glasses off while I'm driving, give them to Morgan, and expect her to clean it really fast so that I can see again. So maybe some of you are here in this room today to hand your glasses to a brother or sister in Christ to help you see clearly. Let's read Revelation 22. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Then He said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent His angel to show His servants what, what must soon take place. Look! In other translations it says, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had showed them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. Your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. Then he said to me, don't seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Look. Vision. Right there. Look. I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. 
I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about in this book. He who testifies about these things, that's Jesus, says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would give those who need new eyes your spiritual eyes. Lord, I pray that you would give me and my other brothers and sisters a glasses cleaning today. That we would see the King of glory that we would see a generation that we would see and long for you, Lord, to return. But Lord, I pray that we would long that you would be born in the lives of outsiders because that is who we once were. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. See, vision is the faculty or the state of being able to see. It's the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. Vision is crucial. And John sees this vision. And so the, the angel goes to him and, and gives him a vision, an actual sight. And in other passages, the vision includes hearing and taste and touch I want you to see this. I want you to know that this is not a pie-in-the-sky word. This is real. This is going to happen in the future. And this is not just words on a page. It's life. This is going to happen. You see, we need these vision checks because, because Jesus mentions in Matthew 6, 22-23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? And today, I, I hope that even just as we read those words, maybe some of that darkness was invaded with light. Maybe some of that darkness was invaded with light. Sometimes we need new glasses. Sometimes we need our glasses cleaned. So I want to ask you four questions today. This is our vision check. The first question is this. Do you see what John sees? If you look back in verses 1 through 5, it says very clearly, then he showed me. Then he made it visible for me. To show someone is to make something visible. The first thing he sees is a river of life flowing from the center of the throne of God. The river of life. Think back to the creation story. The Garden of Eden. The four rivers flowing together. 
the river of life flowing from the throne of God. In John 4.14, it says, But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Guess what? We get to taste from that river even now. Jesus said it right there. Whoever, the water I give him will become a well, a water springing up in him for eternal life. If you know Jesus, you have the river of life living and flowing through you that will spring up. Don't don't dam that river up. Let it flow out of you. Let it flow out of you. Drink from it. Catch on with me with the rest of this vision. Trees of life on both sides. What? I thought the tree of life was what Adam and Eve couldn't eat from. That was guarded by a cherubim. Not these ones. They're on both sides of this river. And guess what? For all you fruit lovers out there, there's 12 kinds of fruit each season, each month. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing in itself. So I get to drink the, the river from the water of life. This is not just a symbol. This is real. You get to drink. Like Jesus says, come and drink. You get to eat His food that He created just for you. That's amazing. But what does this tree of life show us? That the curse is broken. There's food for every season. There's healing for every disease. And that's only found in Jesus. What else? I love how this passage builds. And, and it kind of strikes at the physical, but then it gets to the heart in verses 3 through 5. See, a lot of us, we struggle with coming to Jesus for just his presence. We want his physical presence like at Christmas. We want, we want his blessings over us instead of the blesser. We want the gifts instead of the giver. And John's vision is cleared up here and says, listen, the visible presence of God, the throne in the city, servants worshiping God. Oh my goodness. Christ Community Church, someday you will bow before Christ. Do you realize that? Like you will bow before the living God someday in worship and you will praise Him. That vision ought to stir our affections for Christ. That vision ought to move us outside these walls. Not just on Love Shelbyville or Love Henry Day, but every day. That vision should move us. But I'm getting ahead of myself on that. John Piper said that missions exist because worship does not. You see, missions will be no more in eternity. When, when the end all is here, when Jesus is here, we will be worshiping. So let's start worshiping now. And I want, I want you to, want to look at this. Not only is the visible presence of God there, we get to see His face. Something Moses couldn't even do. Moses got to see the back of God. But guess what? We all will get to see the face of God. We all will get to see Him face to face as He is. And you know what? We've had a couple kids in our house this past week for respite foster care. And they feel like they need to sleep with 
pretty much the lights on. And, and I, I, I have to admit that there, there are some times, and I told them this, I was trying to help them understand like the presence of Jesus. And, and, and I, I shared with them the story of how I kind of am nervous about coming up from the basement when it's dark out. Like, I need some light too. Because in the dark, it's, I'm unsure. Like, is my new cat going to jump out at me? I mean, she, she's, she's wicked, let me tell you. <laughs> like, I'm getting her declawed. Don't make fun of me, but it's going to happen. But is that cat going to jump out of me? Am I going to step over one of the thousand toys on the steps? I need the lights on. But guess what? Jesus is the light. And someday you won't even, you will never have to flip on another light switch. You will never have to. You will never be at a season of your life where you're so dark you would think of committing suicide. Because Jesus, the light is there. And He makes visible what is invisible. And that's His face. So worship God. But what does John do? What does John do in response to this? Let's look at it. Let's skip ahead to do you hear what John hears? That's the second question. Do you hear what John hears? Well, the first thing, what we need to hear, because vision is not just sight. It's not just our eyes. See, true vision requires the whole person. It's our eyes, it's our ears, it's our heart. I mean, we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's all of who we are. So John looks to Christ in worship. That's what he's called to do. But what did he do? He bowed down and worshipped an angel. See, going back to what I said earlier, a lot of times we worship God's gifts instead of God Himself. And I realized how close that hits me when just the other day, we had our four kiddos, two of them, the respite kiddos. We were swimming. We were, we were at a nanny and poppy's pool. And I had the, the youngest, our youngest uh, daughter, Emma Rose, nine months. I had her in the, in the pool, pool holding her. And Morgan had, well, she had the ragtag gang of three from two to five. And, and uh, for whatever reason, I expected her to have all of them and be okay with it. And you should just step into her house for a day and, and see that it, that's very hard. And they, Nana had given them all popsicles. That's so amazing, right? No, it's not. Because you think that kids will want the popsicle, right? Not my three-year-old, almost three-year-old. No, she doesn't want the popsicle. When Daddy is holding Emma and Mommy's getting the other two kids popsicles, guess where Clara's going? The big pool jumps in the pool. Did I see her? No. I was so focused on my nine-month-old, I didn't see her. I heard a splash. I thought it was our, the five-year-old kid that was with us that have these, they, they never take off their swimmer things. And then I start hearing almost like a fighting. And I look over 
and I see my three-year-old fighting to stay alive. Fighting to stay up from the water. And I reach out and I grab her. And I see in that moment how hard it is to not worship my kid. What would I have done if God didn't turn my vision to her and see her? How would I have responded to God in that moment? You know what? I pray that I would still worship God like Job did. I pray that. But I can't honestly, I can't truly know that. I would need my brothers and sisters to clean my glasses. It's just like this morning driving in and seeing a mass casualty car wreck on 55. I began to ask the questions, why God do you allow these things? That's why we need our vision checked. That's why we don't worship the created things. We worship Christ. See, true vision invites us to keep God's Word in worship. And that's what grounds us. See, what grounded me and what brought me back was reminding me, was God reminding me that Claire Joe is a gift from Christ. Is a gift. And I know some of you haven't had that gift returned to you at times. I want to remind you of this heavenly vision. It's greater than any gift. A child, a marriage, a job. It is the King of kings in the face of God right before you. And even if the Lord took Claire and Joe to be with Him, we could still worship Him because He's good. True vision invites us to worship God. To worship Him. True vision also invites us to look to Christ in obedience. Verses 11 through 15 describe this. In verses 11 through 15, it says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And later on, we are called to wash our robes in the blood of Christ. See, that verse I just read makes you think that salvation is by our works. But the work that we're called to do is to wash our robes in the blood of Christ. And how do we do that, church? How do we do that, people? Is by bowing down. By bowing down and saying, Jesus, I can't do it. Jesus, my robe is stained with sin. And I need you. So look to Christ and worship. And guess what right you get to have with that? The right to eat of the tree of life. See, the angel doesn't just show John. God doesn't just show us the vision. He invites us to eat of it. I want to talk to you about two longings really quick. So we're invited to look to Christ in worship. Look to Christ in obedience. But true vision also invites us to long for Christ to come back. Do you long for Christ to come back? The Spirit and the Bride say come. Do you long for Him to return? True vision causes us to yearn for this. See, I see a King of glory coming down with clouds of fire. The whole earth shakes. Do you long for that? Because if you, if you don't have a longing for Christ to come back, then I would ask yourself, do you know Jesus? Do you know how good He is? 
if you don't have a longing for the King of Kings to return to His bride, then do you know the King of Kings? Do you know Him? Long for Him to return. But also long for Christ in the lives of the lost. See, true vision moves us outside so that one day more would be welcome inside. In verse 15, we see kind of this, this challenge. It says, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it talks about that. It gives this long list describing a lot of these similar things. As such were some of you. I was a dog. I was immoral. I was greedy. I was a swindler, a liar, a lover of falsehood. But Christ in His mercy. And we can't lose that vision. See, vision doesn't just erase the past. While it reminds us of the future of where Christ is taking us, it also reminds us to look back in thankfulness of what Christ has done. Once we were alienated, away from Christ, and Christ said, come, come to Me. True vision invites us to long for Christ not just in ourselves, but in the lives of the lost around us. So do you long for Christ to come back? Do you long for Christ in the lives of the lost? So are you beginning to see it? Do you see what John sees? Do you hear what John hears? And will you go where Jesus goes? See, we can see something. We can hear the vision. But guess what? We can just stay in our seats if we want. We can make the choice to sit. We can make the plan to not embrace the vision that Christ has given us. But will you go where Jesus goes? And that may look differently for you, for you, for you, and for me. But if you're content to just come on a Sunday morning and sit in a chair and check it off a box like I used to, then I pray that your vision would be clean today. Go where Jesus goes. Where is He going? Outside. Did Jesus stay in heaven? Did He stay in the comfort of His power? In the beauty of a heavenly relationship? No. He came down as a man. In a manger. In a barn. Carrying a cross outside the city. So where should we go if we want to be like Christ? Outside. Outside. See, you don't have to wait for some aha moment of God saying, this is your my will for your life. He's already given you His will in the Word. In the Word of God, it says to go into all nations making disciples of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's God's will for your life. If you have a question of whether you should go, whether Henry County, Taylorsville, Carrollton, or go 
off your couch. Turn off the sports game. Go outside with your kids. Turn it off. Turn off the phone. Get up. And this is for me. Take your wife out on a date. Love her like Christ did the church. Go outside. Maybe walk across the street to the neighbor with the yappy dog. Ask her, your, ask her their dog's name. That'd be a great invite right there. Your dog yaps a lot. Is it yappy? Uh, go over there. Go outside. Go to the nursing home. Well, and I, Lord forgive me, but with my grandpa had Alzheimer's, I didn't want to go there. I didn't see the vision. And, and I hate to admit this, I was like, they're 85, they're about to go home anyways. But when I got to see my grandpa stand up, who, who at that moment could not talk and could not walk, and we're singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, and he stands up and he sings, Great is Thy Faithfulness, wow, I want to go outside. I want to go outside. Do you want to go outside where Jesus is? I mean, that's a tough question. Because Jesus doesn't call us to a life of ease. He says, if you don't carry the cross, you can't be my disciple. That's hard. But guess what? It's His grace that enables us to pick up the cross because He already did it. I want to ask you one more question. One more question. Do you know what John knows? Do you know what John knows? See, yeah, we can see it. Yeah, we can hear it. We can even, we can even go. Like, we can even go somewhere. We can go across the street. But do you know it? Knowledge in the Bible is never just an intellectual affirmation of facts. It is never just an, a mind affirming something is true. It is never mentioned. All throughout Scripture, when, it's, when the word no knowledge, it is an experiential truth. Knowing it with our heart, our mind, and our soul, and our life. See, Jesus doesn't say, can you take this multiple choice test and answer all the right questions about me? Jesus says, do you know the joy in the midst of suffering? Have you experienced that? Have you experienced the unsurpassed peace when all around you says you should be anxious? Do you? Do you know what John knows? Do you know that when you're a 95-year-old man alone on the island of Patmos, that you're not alone? That there is a joyful vision waiting for you? Do you know it? True vision is experienced in a grace-filled relationship with God. That's where it starts with God. A grace-filled relationship. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. He gives it to us. But it doesn't stop there. That moves us into a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family called the church. 
So have you experienced the true vision of a grace-filled relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ? Maybe you have trusted in Jesus. Would dive into the church. Guess what? The church is His body, His bride, His family. And have you experienced a grace-filled relationship with the community? Henry County has some people that I'm not used to. I thought I came from a small town. Mount Vernon, Ohio. It has 14,000 people. Eminence, Kentucky has 2,500. The county has about 14,000, people. As much as my town growing up. The town that I longed to escape from. Wanting to be a city boy. And as we have said yes to this call, I'm starting to love the people of Henry County. It's crazy. I'm starting to talk a little bit like them. Not, I can't go the whole way. I'm using y'all a lot more, even though that's kind of a Kentucky thing. But I'm starting to love the people. I love Gary the Grillmaster, who, you know, his, his restaurant, it does look a little shady. I'm not going lie to lie there. But I love going in and sitting with him and hearing him tell me a little bit of his story. Yeah, he's not perfect. No, we, we aren't. But I love hearing that story. I love hearing the story of, of, of Tim, who plays uh, semi-pro football yesterday at CoFest, getting to know him. And when I asked him, how can I pray for you? And he looks at me and he says, pray for my 73-year-old mom. She has uh, rheumatoid arthritis and all these other things, and she's just alone. And, and, and even when I asked him, how can we have, as a church come around her just to see him? I mean, this is a fit football player black dude. He does not want to cry in front of a lumberjack white man. He doesn't want to do it. And, and a tear starts rolling down. Like, I love that. I love the fact that on my road where God put me, there's a Latino couple or a Latino, I don't know what you call them because there's cars going in left and right, but there is Florinda, a nurse who works her her tail off, going to nursing school, working, trying to make a living for her family. I love the neighbor next to me, the yappy dog neighbor. Yes, that's real. Michelle, I love that family, and I long for them to be part of our church, not just to be part of Christ's community, but to be in communion with Christ. I love, I love Joe down the road. I love those people. But I didn't do that for myself. It was God who did it through me. God who did it in me through the church, sending me out on mission. Y'all, I said last summer, I'm done with full-time ministry. I'm done with it. I was trying to be a pastor somewhere else. I was trying to sell myself. And I said, I am just going to be a teacher. I am. And I was kind of getting a little excited about it. Like, I want to have a whole summer off. I want to have two weeks and fall, fall break. I didn't never get a fall break when I was in school. I wanted two weeks of fall break, two weeks at Christmas, two weeks in the spring. 
But God has better plans. And He has a heavenly vision, not just for me. He has one for you. Revelation 22 is not just for John. It's for you. And I want to ask you right now, do you know what John knows? Do you know the King of Kings? Yeah. I would like some more people to join us. I'm not going to lie because what God is doing is amazing. Seeing Mike Iman bring 10,000 watts of power to Power CoFest and seeing Carrie say, I found what I needed. Like, God's called us here. Seeing Leon and Fran work like crazy and then go minister at the prison later that night. Y'all, that's crazy, but that's God. Seeing Jeff and Tara, oh my goodness, Tara knows everyone in Henry County. But guess what? God's using that for His glory. He's using that to go outside so that later more people will get to go inside and eat from the tree of life. I love seeing Chase Youngblood get up there and sing songs. Yesterday, no one's in front of him. No one's in front of the stage. And he still sang. And he still worshipped. I love seeing Tim and Christy just being baptized on Sunday and serving. Serving before they were baptized. Asking us, begging us, what can we do to help? Y'all get to know them. Like, they're amazing. Because God is amazing. And God has said, I love them. And God is saying, I love you. So I just want to, I want to read a, a song to you. And then I'm going to close really. I'm losing my time. So I'm going to read it really quick. We all start on the outside. The outside looking in. This is where grace begins. Grace begins not when you're inside, but when you're outside. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. He's asking you to come to the table right now. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. You're not ashamed to say that you were a sinner. You're not hiding anymore, but you've been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior now. Don't wait another moment. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. I love this next verse. Come meet this motley crew of misfits. Okay, first off, it just starts with looking at Morgan and I. You all can laugh. I don't know how I got (laughs) stuck. Stuck like glue, that's the song I'm thinking, with her. I don't know how. I don't know. With her forgiveness, with her passion to see women mentored, and not just see women say, yeah, I love Jesus, but actually give them a depth of understanding of who Christ is. But guess what? Look at the motley crew of misfits. If you took a picture of our launch team... We are a motley crew of misfits. We have about 12 adults and 119 fingers. 
We are a motley crew of misfits that love the Lord because he loves us. Now check this out. Who are we? Okay, yeah, I'm a lumberjack, but these are li- these liars, these thieves. There's no one unwelcome here. No. So guess what? That sin, that sin and shame that you brought with you today, leave it at the door. Leave it at the foot of the cross. And let mercy draw you near. Just come to the table. Come join the sinners. You have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior now. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. I would like to invite the band to come back up here. We are going to step into a time of communion. A time of response. This is a heavenly table. Don't just view it as a bread dipped in juice. See, God broke His body through Christ. And, and yeah, we're seeing September 8th. The Henry County Lodge team is having our first sneak preview gathering September 8th. And guess what? That means 12 of us will not be here. Will not be in this room. That's a breaking of the body. But guess what? This bread doesn't just get digested. It gets multiplied. The bread that is being broken off. The Lord sending us out gets multiplied. So would you say, come, Lord Jesus, with me today? Would you say, come, Lord Jesus, with me? By going with us, by giving, but ultimately through communion with Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we long to be. We long to see a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural community where Christ is King. We long for this heavenly vision. So as we come and as we partake of Your body and blood, God, would we be joined to You? Would we, would we have our glasses cleaned? Would we look to You? And Lord, I pray that today we would go outside with Jesus to seek the city one person at a time. Loving God, loving people, and loving community. In Jesus' name, amen.